welcome to the Fixing Broken Buildings podcast, where we talk about finding the how to fix your buildings now. I'm your host, Dimitri Livas, and today I want to talk to you about bridges. But more specifically, I want to start with the recent demolition after last year's collapse of the Ponte Mirandi Bridge in Italy. You see, proper bridge design and construction is vital for engineers, for construction workers, and for inspectors to ensure that bridges are built correctly. The thing is, there's been a growing concern in recent years with the condition of bridges and the state of our worldwide infrastructure. You see, according to the Global Infrastructure Hub, the world faces a whopping 15 trillion US dollar gap between the estimated investment and the amount needed to actually provide adequate infrastructure across the world by 2040. Now, bridges are a fundamental part of that problem. Why? Because bridges are vital to a country's economy. Bridges are not only vital to a country's economy, they're absolutely essential for the transport of goods and people coming and going from economic hubs. So if a bridge collapses or if it's damaged, then it causes major chaos for the economy in the local area. But more than that, it also very likely causes severe injuries and possibly death. So it's absolutely vital that they're designed and built with a high level of professionalism and skill and integrity so that it stays up and does what it's meant to do. It makes sense, right? You see, bridges are much more than an iconic image on a city skyline. Yes, Sydney Harbour Bridge, from a tourist point of view, it's a beautiful landmark, but it's much more than that. And not only it, but every other bridge that mattered to the vital and booming economy within those cities. And that means that the right steps have to be taken to protect and preserve bridges so that we can ensure that they fulfill their role of facilitating transport and trade and of doing that in a way that instills confidence and a sense of safety and security when we're using all these complex structures, right? So let's start by taking a bit of a look at what happened with the Ponte Mirandi last year. You see, in August 2018, the disastrous consequences of what happens when a bridge isn't constructed correctly was tragically highlighted with this Ponte Mirandi bridge in Italy. The bridge partially collapsed and that collapse killed 43 people. Now, the bridge that was designed by Riccardo Mirandi took four years to construct and it first opened in September 1967, so it's a while back now. This bridge cost a staggering $7 billion to build and it acted as a viaduct on the motorways along one of the major links from Italy to France. Now, this bridge was based on a design called a cable-stayed bridge. And so with this type of bridge, it uses towers to run cables and those towers and those cables support the deck of the bridge to hold it in position. So the collapse of the Ponte Mirandi bridge was caused by corrosion in these cable stays. Do you see what I'm saying here? It was a maintenance issue. You see, these cable stays had corroded and people were still crossing the bridge, totally unaware of the risks. So when it got to a tipping point, so to speak, the corroded cable stays lost their ability to support the bridge and the structure began to collapse while there was still a heap of vehicles and people traveling across the bridge at the time. And of course, tragically, many lost their lives. So, rather than now repair this bridge, it's been decided that the bridge would be demolished. And so the demolition was completed at the end of last month. 
Now, this disaster caused political controversy about the poor state of the infrastructure in Italy, but it also raised concerns about the condition and safety of bridges across the world. Now in this episode, Fixing Broken Buildings, I'd like to go back into the past a little and into our own backyard here in Australia where we know all too well the issue with, big con with bridge construction is far from a new problem, right? You see, in October 1970, we experienced one of the worst construction catastrophes that the country had ever seen. When the half-built Westgate Bridge in Melbourne came crashing down. You see, there was a 100-metre span of this partially-built bridge that collapsed into the Yarra River in Melbourne and killed 35 construction workers. Not only workers who'd been working on the new structure at the time it fell, but also workers that had been taking their lunch break in the huts underneath the bridge, right? This 2,000-tonne construction plummeted into the river with an explosion of gas, dust and mangled metal and there was so much force that buildings that were hundreds of metres away shook and houses that were nearby were just splattered with mud. There was an impact so loud with the sound of the collapse that the explosion and the fire that followed it was heard over 20 kilometres away. So of course a Royal Commission was set up to investigate the cause of the collapse in 1971. And at the end of the process, they found that the bridge had fallen because of two major reasons. One was the structural design. And secondly, was the unusual method of construction that the original contractors had taken. So construction of the bridge started again a year later. And the bridge was finally completed in 1978. You see, this cable stayed bridge, which was worth two hundred and two million dollars back in 1970 acts as a vital link between Melbourne's central business district and the western suburbs and it's one of the busiest road corridors in all of Australia. Now I want to go to another example in another part of the world and we're going to go even further back in time and let's take a look at a bridge that you think would inspire us to do more to salvage the state of the world's bridges and let's give some more attention to possibly the biggest and most famous non-fatal engineering disaster in American history. Now, in Washington in 1938, construction on the Tacoma Narrows Bridge had started. This is a famous bridge. Anyone know what its name is or why it's famous? Well, you may have heard it. Its nickname is the Galloping Gertie. Yep, Galloping Gertie. It's a suspension bridge that spanned the Tacoma Narrows Strait. The Tacoma Narrows Strait across Puget Sounds, right? Between Tacoma and the Kitsap Peninsula. So the fame, or the infamy, comes when the construction of the bridge was completed in July of 1940. And there was this one major issue. The bridge moved vertically in wind conditions. I mean, even when it was open for public use, and when I say vertically, I mean it literally looked like a galloping horse. Hence the name Galloping Gertie, right? That makes sense. So there was a bunch of measures that were taken to try and stop the bridge from moving. But all of them ended up being ineffective. And the bridge's main span finally gave way and totally collapsed in the face of strong winds. 
And it was just five months after it was first opened in November of 1940. The thing is, the collapse of this bridge, of this galloping Gertie, it's had this lasting effect on science and engineering because it's now used as an example in so many physics and engineering and construction books. You see, the collapse also encouraged more and new research into construction, into research, into doing research from lessons learned in failure and research that's influenced all of the designs of long span bridges that have been designed and built after Galloping Gertie. But with these and other bridges, we want to know what are the main causes of a bridge collapsing, right? You see, we've discussed just a few examples of famous bridges that have collapsed over the years. And while each bridge collapsed for a different reason, there's a bunch of factors that could cause a bridge to collapse. So it's important to be able to look into these and understand these, and we'll just get a bit of a broad view of what happens in different areas and why these happens. First of all, we have the environment and the climate. You see, climate, which varies so much from place to place and from day to day, climate can have a real negative impact on the materials that are used to construct a bridge. So to try and combat these negative effects, we need designs that take the specific conditions of the climate into account in the areas where these bridges are built, as well as having regular inspections of all major bridges. You get the idea? because skilled and qualified inspectors are going to be able to identify if there's any degradation, if anything needs to be fixed or maintained or remedied. And that way, measures can be taken to replace any cracking or corroding or any risks or weaknesses in the structure, right? They can be taken care of before they become a major problem. Next, we should have a think about stress and fatigue, right? It's wear and tear, not just from the climate, but from general use because this stress and fatigue can be caused by the constant pressure of just the sheer number of vehicles that can pass over the bridge. And in particular, heavy vehicles and transport vehicles. You know, now, like, like trucks and the like, right? Now this stress and fatigue from a vehicle is something that's really common on a suspension and cable-stayed bridges. So it's super important that inspectors regularly check and keep an eye out for signs that a bridge is suffering from fatigue. Now, in order to inspect and maintain bridges, we need to be able to provide adequate funding to do the job. That is, we have to have a budget in place that allows us to find the real issues, to report them clearly, and to put the teams together, the right teams, to do the works to maintain these bridges, including enough money to complete the bridge upgrades over time. But you see, sometimes the authorities don't always have the necessary access to enough money and funds to make it stretch far enough. And it requires a lot of time and effort from skilled engineers to ensure the safety and the upgrading of an aging bridge. Moving on, let's touch on design because for some bridges collapsing was inevitable before the bridge was even built. It's in these situations where the cause doesn't come from the construction of the bridge, but from the design itself. Design that maybe hadn't considered all of the environmental conditions, design that may have a structural flaw, designs that in retrospect were simply doomed to failure from the moment that they were put down onto a blueprint. And finally, even though we've mentioned this before, over and over, poor maintenance. Poor maintenance is a difficult problem to diagnose 
following a bridge collapse. But we know that many, many bridge collapses could have been prevented with a more stringent maintenance program, with more stringent inspections, and well-planned and thought-out maintenance routines. You see, even with collapses that happen for other reasons, those collapses are simply exacerbated and exaggerated by poor maintenance. So what changes can we make in the future? And most importantly, right, we should be asking, what can we do to manage the trio of design, construction, and maintenance in our infrastructure so that we can prevent more of our bridges collapsing? Well, let's look at a leading example in America. You see, America is leading the way with these innovative infrastructure developments in areas that are of high-risk earthquakes, such as San Francisco, right? Because when the original San Francisco-Oakland bridge was destroyed by an earthquake, well, they wanted to make sure that a disaster of that magnitude never struck again. So they decided to challenge themselves to build a new bridge, a new bridge that would be earthquake-proof. What an ambitious goal, right? So the San Francisco-Oakland Bridge, which is better known as the Bay Bridge, is a self-anchored suspension bridge that stretches 13 and a half kilometers to unite San Francisco and Oakland. Now, in 1989, the bridge was damaged by a severe earthquake and the tremor was so strong that the whole 220-ton section of the bridge's east span it simply collapsed. You see, the scale of the damage was so bad that officials decided to replace the entire span. So after almost a decade of work and over $6 billion, the bridge was reopened in 2013. But it wasn't just repaired and rebuilt. It was also constructed with these special components that allowed it to withstand the next earthquake. That's right. They were making it earthquake-proof. So when they were designing the structure, the engineers used rock motions to calculate the maximum seismic forces that the new bridge would experience. You see, these rock motions are the vibrations that happen when a fault line under the Earth's surface starts to occur. Now, this, combined with huge leaps in technological advancements in recent years, could be the essential ingredients to preventing bridges from collapsing, right? And we can use things like advanced monitoring systems to detect the state of a bridge on an ongoing basis. Things such as fiber optic sensors that are used to examine the changes in the fiber properties when a structure comes under strain. You see what I'm saying? You see the system sends light signals through the optical fibers to look into the health of a bridge and to have that ongoing monitoring with the sensors being embedded right inside the bridge, right? Or being attached to the side of the bridge if it's an older bridge. We can also use these small electronic and mechanical systems or microsystems that collect measurements of structures along with GPS, which we can use to measure bridge movements by tracking the location of strategically placed GPS transmitters. Finally, Non-contact measurement techniques can also be used to capture the structural changes of a bridge. Things like cameras can be installed to capture images of a bridge, and then those images can be analyzed using image processing techniques. 
So it's amazing technology that we can use in order to monitor this. But even with all that, you know, monitoring the health of a bridge isn't just about collecting measurements, right? The biggest challenge is to make sense of the data and then use that expert knowledge to provide reliable reports on bridge health that we can act on. So, this process is a dynamic process. It's a process that requires expertise to use the knowledge that we have and to improve the safety of bridges. So let's minimize the possibility of catastrophic failures and along with new technology and continuous monitoring systems, we can increase our knowledge from regular bridge inspections and innovations. This is Dimitri Livas with another Fixing Broken Buildings podcast. Always reminding you, creating healthy buildings is easy with the right teams. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.